Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Babe Podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to step into your power and manifest a life and business that sets your soul on fire, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Stephanie Bellinger, and I'm a mindset and success coach for spiritual entrepreneurs. I am obsessed with helping my fellow soul sisters shine their light and live out their purpose so they can experience more magic in everyday life. We all have a special purpose here and we're meant to share our message and gifts with the world. You deserve to be fully supported emotionally, spiritually, and financially from doing your soul's work. Together, we can make a massive impact in the world and it's time. So let's do this. In today's episode, I have the amazing Lee Noto here with me, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Lee is such a powerful woman. She has such a huge heart, and she's so freaking amazing at what she does. So first off, Lee is also a good friend of mine too here in Austin, and I've experienced her energy and her work firsthand, and I can say that it's, you can tell when someone is not only passionate about what they do, but also in integrity with what they do, and that is Lee. So what Lee does is she helps powerful women and couples cultivate emotional and erotic intelligence so that they can help so that they can create untamed intimacy in their romantic partnerships. She uniquely integrates psychology and sensuality and shares powerful communication tools and somatic practices that allow clients to deeply connect to their own bodies. And by guiding clients to connect into deeper self-love, self-acceptance, curiosity, and play, Lee is able to help them boldly open their hearts in order to give and to receive the epic love they desire. And I mean, who doesn't want epic love? Come on. So, and she's really, really good at it. And her work is just so, so powerful. So in this episode, Lee shares like more about how she guides couples and women through the process of really connecting to themselves and creating epic love in their partnerships. And I know that you're going to get a lot of value out of this. I know I definitely did. And I learned a lot from diving deep into this conversation with Lee. So I'm really excited for you to jump into it. And when you listen, make sure that you tag us on Instagram. You can find me at the spiritual boss babe. And I believe Lee is at Lee Noto. You can also find her in the show notes where to connect with Lee, uh, her website, her Instagram, all the stuff is in the show notes. And and yeah, I'm excited for you to dive in because I know that, and I know I always say this, but I, I mean it. I mean it every time. I know that you're going to get a lot of golden nuggets out of this and it's going to spark something in you, especially if you are someone who is really ready to open up to epic love in a capacity where maybe you have never gone before. So without further ado, let's welcome Lee onto the show. Welcome, Lee. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know that it's going to be juicy. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so I want you to open up first, like um, doing, like introducing yourself a bit, but like sharing how you were led on your path to doing the work that you're doing now with 
like intimacy and relationships and all the things, like what led you on that path? Yeah. So for anyone who's listening, I'm an intimacy coach and I am co-founder of Untamed Intimacy, where my partner and I lead a lot of work for couples around creating untamed intimacy in their relationships. Um, As I'm saying that, I'm thinking like, God, nobody taught us how to do this. You know, we learned chemistry and calculus in school, but nobody taught us how to create healthy, sustainable, long-term relationships. And that was a lot of my history. I had no idea that one unhealthy or toxic relationship after the next would lead to me doing this work. But I do have plenty of personal experience in that arena. Um, But what, what also led me on this path from a professional perspective was one, having a calling from a very early age around a curiosity about my body and about bodily sensations that I think really went beyond the average child's curiosity. And like many other children early on, I got the message from society, family, that my sexuality was something to be hidden and kept private and potentially something to be ashamed of. And so like most of us, I carried a lot of baggage around about my sexuality, my sexual preferences. And as I entered early adulthood, I found myself in an apprenticeship that was all about Tantra and sacred sexuality and how to um, really address our sexuality and the entirety of our beings as a sacred and spiritual practice. And when that appeared to me, everything in my life made sense. And I was on to something for my whole life, but could never confirm it until I started doing this work. And that was a number of years ago. And once I arrived in this world, I knew I had found my way home. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was about six years ago. Yeah. Wow. So what was like the biggest, what do you feel like has been the biggest transformation for you in regards to that? Oh oh my God. (laughs) How much time do you have? (laughs) So much, you know, in doing that work and in doing the work that I do now with women and with couples, um, I had really learned how much, how much shame I was carrying around around my sexuality, shame around even exploring what needs I have and understanding how to communicate those needs. There was shame, there was fear, there was guilt about taking up too much space, about having needs outside of the needs that are shown in porn. And, you know, these were all the places porn and friends are where I received sex education. And that's not unlike most people. Mm. So I learned a lot about that. I've learned a ton over the years around creating boundaries and how to do so in a loving and a compassionate way that allows my needs to be met and also acknowledges the experience of the other person. Again, that is a skill and an art form that we're not taught, but that is so vital in sustaining healthy relationships. Mm. How were some ways that you were able to like release the fear and guilt? Because I find, I mean, that's extremely common with a lot of people and like how were most people are brought up or taught 
as they're growing up that you're like it's it's sex is bad it's dirty it's shameful whatever like how like how did you i guess like totally let that go was it through experiences and just curious yeah so a number of different ways one thing that i like to share with clients is that it's a practice and it's a forever journey so just because we nail it in one moment doesn't mean there's anything wrong if we don't nail it the next moment in terms of being able to speak a boundary or communicate a need there's you know the the mindset that i like to keep with that is being kind to ourselves and being kind to others because we're all learning and growing um something that i had started trying early on as i read about these concepts around communication and boundaries and as i listen to podcasts which is can be great outlets for sources that we resonate with um was i would try little social experiments because i was like okay it's great in theory i hear these people talking about it but how do i do this in my relationships and so there were you know a number of people that i trusted in my life at that time men included and i would just dip my toe into the water and i would try something i had learned and sometimes they wouldn't even know i was trying something new but i would say okay what if i just try to communicate my need this time like i'm going to try it on see how it goes even though i'm nervous and i would put on the mindset or the hat of a mad scientist someone who is curious and playful and not attached to the end result but just has a hypothesis and when i could remember to put on that mindset it took a lot of the pressure off of me to get it you know quote right or perfect and it allowed me to just grow and expand and collect data around how i'm feeling in my body the other person's response and receptivity to what i was trying and a felt sense for okay here's what it feels like in my body when i state a need or when i make a request for a need let me take a a quick somatic snapshot of that and then maybe i can do that again next time and so it would be taking little baby steps but i think one of the biggest things there is really setting intention around what mindset you want to go in with and say okay if i want to be playful or kind to myself how can i try that on while trying this new thing that may feel scary mhm i love that that's like a such a easy tangible like way to think about it and go about it mm-hmm. yeah and, and the fact that it's like a never ending journey of like just exploring and unraveling things within yourself um what are some uh, ways that like you I guess ask for your needs or you help people that you work with express their needs. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways to do this I have found as someone who did not know how to communicate needs at one point in my life was I would look back on my most recent conflicts. Places where I felt upset or wronged or whatever it was and I would say okay, When I look back on that experience, which of my needs do I think went unmet? Mm. Because it can sometimes be easier to look back at past data and say, okay, that's a clear example. Now which need was unmet? And so I I would do that in situations with partners and when I felt upset about something, I'd look back and say, okay, I think in this instance, you know, my need for consideration wasn't being met. I didn't 
My need for communication wasn't being met. I felt like I found this thing out at the last minute. That didn't feel good for me. So now I'm starting to just build a repository of, okay, when I'm communicating with a partner, I know that I have a need to be considered. I know that I have a need for communication. I know that I have a need for closeness and physical touch. And so that's one way to start to build a repository. Another resource that I really love is um, just the whole nonviolent communication format by Marshall Rosenberg. And he has an amazing book and there are plenty of online formats, but he developed a feelings list and a needs list and a whole fill in the blank format for how to communicate compassionately, which is something I share with almost all of my clients. Um, and on that feelings list and needs list, there's a whole array of different feelings and needs. So if you are feeling like you are unable to, you know, come up with some things on your own, then that's a really great list to pick from. Wow. And what was the book called again? Nonviolent Communication. Nonviolent Communication. I, I love that, that, I, that it has like the list and it's easy to, I find that like, I know for me, I've definitely struggled in the past of like really expressing my needs and like um, feeling like, uh, you know, like caring about what the other person thought, like, oh, mm -hmm. I don't want them to think this, or I don't want them to feel this, or what if I upset them, or whatever, you know, and it was just yeah. like, but then you sacrifice yourself. Yeah. You and I mean, you know, when we think about the implications of that, because I've done that plenty of times, trust me, I was like a people-pleasing professional, Thanks. you know, for most of my life. And when we think of the compound impact of consistently not speaking up for our needs or not even taking time to recognize what they are, a lot of times it can build resentment in the relationship. And then that comes out in other ways. So it builds up as criticism, as contempt, resentment, anger. It then turns into projection. Um, it, it becomes this huge snowball monster of all these other things when the genesis of that was potentially a simple unmet need. So when we have the space to practice, when we give ourselves the space to practice making those statements and, you know, being with some of the uncomfortable feelings that may come up, it can relieve us of a whole host of potential flurries in the future. Mm -hmm. And what about with setting boundaries or having been clear about your boundaries? Is that something that like kind of goes hand in hand when you're like expressing a need or does it pet depend? Yeah. So those, those are um, pretty complimentary. One thing I, I have learned myself and share with a lot of people is sometimes we learn about our boundaries by having them crossed and that's okay. You know, I, I used to get so upset with myself because I'm like, Oh God, I should have known, like I should have known and I should have said something and you know, I would, put extreme amounts of pressure and guilt on myself. But sometimes we don't know something's a boundary until someone crosses a line and then we're like, oh, okay, that didn't feel good. So let me now go back and figure out what needs to happen differently next time. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are things as well that with boundaries and needs, 
they may be ever changing. A boundary in one moment might not be a boundary in another moment or might not be the same kind of boundary with a different person. So to have the mindset of willingness, of growth, of authenticity can be really great places to go when you're exploring boundaries and needs, especially early on. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to express these things in order to have like actual healthy, fulfilling relationships. Yeah. Like, and develop and go to deeper levels of intimacy, period. Yeah. And sexual connection. It's like all related. It's all related. Oh my gosh. So when you work with um, couples, you and Ani, your partner, mm-hmm. with couples a lot now as well. Do you, you, so you do kind of both, like individual and with couples or like yeah. you have a, an array of things. How do you like, how do you, what does it look like when you're, I'm just curious, like working with people, like couples um, with like deepening their intimacy, their intimate connection um, in all facets and like their relationship? Like what are some things that you like walk them through? Or yeah, help or facilitate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, one of the things that we do straight away in our initial conversations with couples is really getting to the root of what's happening. Most times, when we're in a situation ourselves, we see what appears at the surface level or what appears real for us. That's not necessarily the truth or what's at the root of something. So, in order to really create a lasting change that's going to have a domino effect, we have to understand what's at the root of, you know, what somebody might call a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, all of these things are opportunities for us to learn. So one of the things that Ani and I do is we share with clients the mindset that can be helpful to have when doing this kind of deep exploration, which is one, our relationships are a huge vehicle for growth. And two, our partners, if we allow them to be, can be a really great mirror and a great spiritual teacher for us. Mm -hmm. So we share that context with them and then we dive deep really quickly. So we go deep into what's appearing real for each person and we start to draw out what, what they would say the presenting problem is, whether it's lack of communication, lack of sexual intimacy, whatever it is. And as we unpeel the layers of the onion, we get to the root of what's there. Perhaps it's fear or trauma from childhood that keeps creating a cycle over and over again. And it can be a number of things. So we work with couples in this format and we we do two-on-two coaching, we do intensives. um, And then with this kind of work for the couples that are a good fit for it, we will do psychedelic assisted sessions as well. The reason that we feel so strongly about this when it's a good fit is that we can really start to examine different layers of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times with these substances, we can do so without the same kind of emotional charge that we might have if we were in the conflict itself. Mm -hmm. So it gives us enough of a distance without the dissociation. We still get to be associated into the experience or the clients do while having Ani and I as, as qualified guides to help them navigate through the things that have been creating conflict or issues in their relationship. Mm. And once you're able to, and I love that you add that component. <laughs> yeah. 
medicine fan. I mean, it, there's just so much you can get to and open up with within that and without it, but within it, it's a different thing. Um, so when you are able to like pull back those layers and um, like, what are some of the things that are like, is there, are there common things that you can see like for that come up for people or that specifically help them work through um, a conflict say does that make yeah my question i'm yeah, trying to so. think of like for those listening also who like some just insights are like tangible things too yeah so i i mean there are plenty of commonalities that we see across couples um plenty of commonalities we see across genders across age ranges um, some of the things that we see in a lot of couples that create roadblocks are behaviors like defensiveness, projection, um, avoiding responsibility, stonewalling or shutting down, um, criticism and contempt. These are things that I don't think any couple is immune to, nor is any individual immune to. The degree to which we practice those behaviors in our relationship can determine the level of success that we have in terms of a lasting, loving, healthy relationship. So we see these things. Um, another big one is scorekeeping, which is, you know, just people, couples going back and forth about who did this or didn't do that. I used to do that. <laughs> back in the day, I've learned a lot of things on my relationship. <laughs> been a freaking rough road with a lot of lessons. <laughs> Girl, you and me both. I used to be a master scorekeeper. And it's fascinating because all of these um, behaviors are protective mechanisms. Mm. So when we look at the surface level and we're like, okay, stonewalling, shutting down, defensiveness, projecting, right? It can be easy to get pissed off with someone and be like, oh God, you do this all the time or you never do that. But when we ask what might cause this person to rarely take responsibility and to become angry when I point something out about them. Well, I wonder what that could be. If we start to peel back the layers of the onion, you know, might we see that there was a childhood where there was a lot of punishment, where their parent was always yelling at them, where there was always criticism, and they needed to build a very real defense mechanism to avoid that punishment or to keep their parents' love, to avoid abuse, and so then we, then we get down to the, the root of the problem, or, or I don't want to call it a problem, just the root of the behavior. Mm-hmm. And we can say, oh my gosh, wow, I could understand why you might behave in that way. It allows me to have empathy and compassion for someone. And I will you know, call myself out and saying, this was me. I was like a master you know, defender, projector, all the things. And my relationship with Ani has really helped me transform out of those behaviors because I was able to then really be with him in his experience. And so this is a big thing for anyone listening who either has a partner that displays those behaviors or is someone who displays those behaviors is one, just asking with curiosity, what might be causing that? What you know, what early experiences might one have had to create that kind of reaction? Mm. Um, And can you be with that and have empathy and compassion for that part of them or that part of you that was doing their best to protect themselves? And so that's sort of, 
getting deep down into a lot of the things that impact a lot of couples and what can be at the root. Now, once we identify what's at the root, we don't necessarily want to stay in the childhood trauma forever. It's great to know that it was there and it exists, but we want to come back to the present day because that's where the relationship is happening. The trauma happened at one point and it's no longer happening, but we've carried our stories about the trauma and we've created impressions about the world around us because of those experiences. So once we can get a little bit of distance and recognize, okay, there were a number of things that happened when I was a child. And then that caused me to see the world in this way. For example, thinking that everyone's going to take advantage of me. So I have to deflect and defend at every turn. Now that I'm aware of that and I am a choosing adult who has agency and sovereignty, how do I want to show up? Mm -hmm. Just by asking that question, so much can open up. That's so powerful. Um, And there's like so much that you unpacked there. I feel like in that (laughs) that um, is a lot to think about because we've all gone through different types of trauma and things in our lives. And um, you're right when you say like a partner or someone that you're in a relationship with can be like your greatest teacher because maybe even the person who's doing the stonewalling or scorekeeping or whatever, they don't even fully realize of like what is underneath until it's mm-hmm. reflected back to them from their person. And then it's like, okay, how can we work together in creating harmony in this dynamic? But of course it does have to, both people have to actually desire that too, yeah. because, you know, I've been in experiences myself too, where it was like not, fully on both sides of like desiring that, um, that type of growth. Yeah, it makes sense. I've been there as well. And Ani has been a huge teacher for me and I've been in every place from resisting the teaching and resisting the lesson to being completely open to shutting down and going blank. He, we were driving the other day and he shared a breakthrough with me and this is a such a mind-blowing way to look at things that he used to say to me all the time. He's like, Lee, it's not you versus me. It's you and me versus the thing, Mm. you know? And that thing isn't you. It's something you learned to do growing up because you needed to protect yourself from X, Y, or Z. And so when I shifted into like, okay, it's not me. This is not an offense against me that he's pointing something out. It's not the entirety of who I am. It doesn't make me a bad person. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to feel guilt over. Okay. Now that I've cleared that up, how can Ani and I, you know, tag team to address the thing that is creating tension in our relationship. And so that other thing when unaddressed can become like an entity, like a thing that has power and life of its own. So when we can partner up together and say, hey, you know what, let's figure out how we want to address this defensive behavior because it's not creating intimacy between us, it's creating separation. Mm -hmm. So can we have a constructive conversation around when we see it happening, what we think causes it and what we'd like to do instead next time? Do you find... um 
I, I, that's a, just the way that like you are able to have conversations like that is extremely powerful. Do you think that it is um, challenging for some, some people to like change certain behaviors that they're so used to? Like, for example, um, like, I guess, like, if certain people feel like scared to open up fully or whatever, like, and that's not creating the intimacy you would like, do you find for different couples, it's challenging to actually change that, the problem that you both are trying to tackle? That's a great question. Um, it feels challenging for many I'll, I'll address this in a couple ways. So it, it, in many moments, it felt very challenging for me. I'm like, how am I going to do this? I've, you know, the neural pathway to my default has been so clearly stomped down that it's like, it seems permanent. However, um, the biggest thing that I have learned along this journey and creating some really, really deep changes in my life because um, being honest, Stephanie, I had all of those behaviors, defensiveness, projection, stonewalling, shutting down, criticism, contempt, all, all of it. Wow. And I, I feel really confident in saying today that like Ani and I have an insanely beautiful relationship and it took a lot of practice. It took a lot of patience and what wasn't working for me at first was consistently beating myself down when I would notice those behaviors come up or when Ani would bring them up to me. Because immediately I wanted to go into a shame spiral of, oh God, I can't believe I did it again, or fuck him, I can't believe he pointed it out. All of this stuff came up. Those are all facets of our ego. And all our ego is trying to do is keep us safe and protect us, even if that means doing the thing that doesn't feel good, but is going to keep us alive, right? Our ego isn't concerned with self-actualization. It's concerned with survival. And so if, if there's a big change on the horizon around who we are as fundamental beings, going from being defensive to being empathetic, that's very threatening to the ego. So also know for those listening that this is not a threat to who you are at the core of your being, it might threaten your ego. It might, your ego might feel butthurt for not getting invited to the party, but that's, that's all along the way in the journey. The thing that really supported me most was just learning to love on myself and acknowledge myself for every bit of progress I was making for every time I tried. And as I started creating a practice out of it, I'd find myself, we'd be in conflict and I would have an inner conversation. I'd say, okay, Lee, what do you want to do right now? I know you're feeling pissed off, but what do you want to do? Do you want to do the thing you always did or do you want to try something new? And I started to, in those spaces where I started asking myself questions and just saying, hey, this is something I'm going to try on and experiment with, like that mad scientist sort of mindset, it created an opening for me. Even if the opening was one or two seconds, it gave me one or two seconds to try and choose something different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. But having that space was the biggest blessing in, in my relationship because it really diffused the reactivity that I used to display. Mm -hmm. And it allowed you to respond and like take a step back and 
reassess of like yeah yeah and you know something that i'll share that was very very helpful for me um one was really being in touch with what was happening in my body because i was having all sorts of reactions my chest would close up my stomach would turn i would feel like knots in my solar plexus i would notice my posture would change as i started to become aware of the somatic experience that i was happening that was happening within I started to develop my own self-soothing practices and they can be super intuitive. Yes, people can do courses and learn about these things. But for me, it was as simple as just putting my hand on my body. Mm. Like immediately when something felt threatening for me or a perceived threat, AKA Ani's feedback about something, Mm -hmm. I would just put my hands on my body, on my chest, on my womb. And that would really help me to feel protected to the point that I wouldn't have to protect or defend against my partner. Mm -hmm. And that's what was happening before. And when I would shut down because my habit was to go into freeze, I would immediately get up and move, like just move my body, stretch out, take up space, take some deep breaths, um, look around the room and just like recognize that I'm actually safe and okay. Mm-hmm. And then I would proceed. And that also gave me a little bit of space to just let myself know, like, you're good. You can, you know, engage in this conversation in a mature fashion. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. And on the flip side, um, I'm curious, like, how you, I'm sure you help your clients and the people that you work with have these type of conversations and be able to relate authentically in this way um, and both be able to receive it. Um, So when it comes to like how to tell your partner, like for example, how did Ani like come and tell you like this feedback that he was giving you or wanted to bring to your attention? Like how does that or how do you walk people through that? Like, cause none of us want to like hurt anyone. And it's like that uncomfortableness of like, Hey, like this thing that you do kind of freaking bothers me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so there are a few tools that I use here. Um, and this, you know, anything with practice, it, you're going to become proficient at. So um, the nonviolent communication format is a great format. And again, One of the reasons why I love it is because the way it's worded allows us to take responsibility for our emotions and our experience. So an example of that, of non-compassionate communication might be something like, you really piss me off when you do this. I can't believe you're such a slob. You leave your clothes out, like pick up after yourself. You're a pig. If this doesn't change, I'm going to move out, right? That could be something someone would say. And The implication of that is finger pointing, blaming, you, 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 and there's nothing about the person's experience. So the the compassionate way of communicating that might be, hey, when you leave your clothes out, I feel frustrated because I put a lot of effort into cleaning the house and keeping it neat. And the story I have in my head is that you don't care about the household as much as I do. So I'd really like to make a request that we sit down and talk about how we're going to work together to keep the house clean. Mm -hmm. Pretty similar message at its core. You're still expressing, hey, I feel angry when, but you're also saying I, so you're taking responsibility for the first person experience. 
feel angry when you share some sort of observable data, not like when you are an asshole, but hey, when you left your clothes out after you said you'd put them away, anyone can observe that. I felt blank. And here's what I make that mean, meaning that it doesn't mean you're a slob. That's not objectively true. But in my head, I have a story that you don't really care about the household as much as I do. Is that true for you? You know, it can give the person a chance to say, hey, oh my God, no, that's not what it was like at all. I got home from work late and then I had to wake up early and go to work and I just didn't have time. Let me take care of that when I get home. Mm-hmm. It just opens a space for a different kind of communication so you can share feedback. Um, another thing that I, I also use with Ani and with clients is um, when you're about to have a big conversation and you know it's big stuff, um, asking the person if they feel resourced or if they feel they have the capacity to engage in a big conversation. Mm-hmm. And it gives them the chance to say, hey, you know what, now would be a great time or now's not a good time. Let me go do my workout first so I can clear my head and then I'll come back and we'll have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So just getting to gauge your own or someone's capacity and their ability to be able to receive feedback, et cetera. Mm-hmm communication is so important and I feel yeah. like we always get better we can always improve at like anything really yeah but those are really good um really good insights I'm like excited to check out the nonviolent communication format stuff <laughs> yeah I think you're gonna love it yeah so what are some ways where like you or some some things that people could do or that you teach when it comes to like deepening their connection to each other? Like, did I already ask something like that? I don't know. (laughs) Deepening their connection to each other in like mm, an intimate, like emotional, like soul connection way, like a deep way. So one of the biggest things here is if you want to have that kind of relationship with your partner, it is crucial to develop that kind of relationship with yourself. Mm. And, you know, we do that to our best ability, but a lot of times we don't see things about ourselves until we're in a relationship with someone else because naturally we have blind spots. But to the best of our ability that we can create the willingness to see ourselves in all arenas is the extent to which we'll be able to allow our partners to do that as well. And so an example that I have from my life is, I remember before I met Ani, I was calling in a partner. I was, I was journaling about it. I was visualizing it. Yeah. I was like, I remember one night I was sitting on the couch and I was, I could feel like I could feel him without knowing who he was. And I, I had all of these things in my mind around this partner, who he was, how I'd feel around him, all of these things. And one of the things that I would say is, I want this partner to be able to hold all of me, to see me in all of my emotions when I'm crying and not get scared away by my highs and my lows. And then it dawned on me, I was like, am I willing to see myself like that? Like, am I willing to hold myself in my emotions? Am I willing to look into the mirror when I'm crying, when I'm angry and see my reflection and say, you know what? You're beautiful. I got you. I love you. 
the way I would want my partner to do for me. And as soon as I recognized that up until that moment, I wasn't willing to do that for myself and I had never even thought about it, everything changed. And I made it, yeah, I made it my mission to have my own back the way I'd want my partner to. I kid you not, after taking on that mindset, it was maybe months until I met Ani. Wow. And it was, it was rapid. It was rapid. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember how I, I was just talking to you not that long ago about how I feel like, you know, there was like, it went from like one moment to the time flies too one moment of like you not being with Ani to like you and Ani are like doing groups together and like <laughs> I know. I'm like whoa this is amazing that you yeah. should him in yeah it happened fast yeah it did um and that makes total sense because everything's created like everything starts from within when it comes to like creating that connection and intimacy and deep soul connection with someone you've got to have that for yourself and I know a lot of people say like oh that's cliche you know you tell the whole you gotta love yourself first and it's like there's different layers of that you know and Mm -hmm. how you realized whoa I want someone to be able to hold me am I doing that for me and you weren't Mm -hmm. it's like it seems like a small thing but it can be like a big realization yeah yeah that was a big one um and, you know, there's, it's, it sucks that just the term self-love has become cliche because it is honestly one of the most important things to explore and to have as a practice and to have as a priority. Everything else, all of our relationships, the whole world around us is constructed as a mirror reflection to the relationship we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if there is one place to get it right and you know, the subjective, right? But if there's one place to really, you know, do the work and the play and practice and be students of that thing and lifelong learners, it is learning how to love ourselves, learning how to accept ourselves unconditionally, even when the things show up that we'd rather not see. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you change all facets of your life. You improve all facets of your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's the most efficient route. Like if people don't want to keep banging their head against a wall with all the things, just do the self-love thing. I, I kid you not, everything else will dramatically change as a result of that. And you will only have to have done the one thing. Mm. Do you have like specific like little self-love things that you do like on a daily or like that you recommend people do to decide holding themselves in their emotions and looking in the mirror, which I freaking love that. I don't think I've ever done that either. Like when I'm crying. Yeah. Maybe I have, but it's rough. Um, so there are so many practices out there. I have tried so many things, but you know, what is something that stays with me always is just slowing down a bit. Like I notice that because we are in a Western society that really Um, hails achievement and accomplishment and doing and output and all the things. When I really advocate for myself and I slow down a bit, it is one of the biggest acts of self-love I could ever give to myself. And that could be anything. It could mean 
not checking texts while I'm eating lunch or not checking email first thing in the morning when what I'd rather be doing is drinking tea and sitting outside on my porch looking at the trees. Even allowing myself to do that for five minutes versus immediately popping into email is a huge way to, that sets the tone for my day. Um, slowing down in the shower and using the shower as an act of love and pampering versus just being a thing of utility to clean myself. Mm-hmm. So finding all of these fun ways that I can slow down and luxuriate in the present moment, presence is a huge thing as well, that if we can really let ourselves be present, the message we send to ourselves, it's, it's okay to be here. Mm-hmm. Like you're safe to be here. You're allowed to be here. You're worthy of being here. And as such, you get to enjoy and be with everything you're doing right now. Even if that's being so present with checking an email, but not checking an email and then scrolling Facebook and then this and that, you know, like that's been one of my biggest acts. Of like just being more present and slowing down. Yeah. It's huge. And in a world where things are, it's so easy to be distracted and like have a million things going on in your head or in front of you. It's like that intention of like, no, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to be here now. Mm-hmm. Creates a lot of magic. It does. <laughs> this was so awesome, Lee. I feel like the time flew by. I'm like, damn. <laughs> um, is there anything else? Like, where can people find you? And what are you like, where can they learn more from you uh, or what you and Ani are doing? Or, and um, any last things that you want to share? Yeah. Um, so people can find us and connect with us on Instagram. Our handle is at untamed underscore intimacy. Um, we're also at untamedintimacy.com, And you can find us on Facebook the same way. Um, something I do want to share is that um, we just created an amazing resource for people who are experiencing roadblocks in intimacy. And these are a lot of the common ones that I'd shared before. So what we've put into that resource was like our years of personal experience, our years of professional experience in understanding what the roadblocks are, what causes them and what to do about them, whether it's your partner that's displaying a quality or you. Um, So you can check that out at untamedintimacy.com. And we are also just about to open the wait list for our Untamed Intimacy um, couples program, which we're really, really excited to launch. So that's there on the website as well. Um, Yeah. And, you know, last thing I'd share is (sighs) this is a journey and it's never ending, but if you can play and have fun, even in the moments that feel challenging, or if you can at least be curious or inquisitive about what there might be to learn, it allows this whole journey of life and connection and intimacy to be all the more fulfilling. Mm. I mean, we can make it difficult if we want, but I don't think that's anyone's first choice. So don't forget to play. It's, it's the number one antidote for everything. Amen to that. Well, thank you, Lee, so much. I'm so excited for all the things that you're offering and that you're doing too. And thank you for the resources. For those listening, as usual, I will leave all of that in the show notes as well too so that you can go grab the freebie so that you can check out what Lee and Ani are offering and so that you can connect with Lee on Instagram and all the places. 
Thank you so much for sharing all of your magic. This has been amazing. And I know that so many people are going to get so much value out of this. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. If you want extra motivation to manifest a life and business that you're obsessed with, then find me on Instagram at the spiritual boss babe or visit spiritualbossbabe.com. I love you and appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you have a magical day. 